2018. I'm Michael Madrid. With Michael Madrid. Is Omar Zini. And as you just heard, the prodigal son has returned. Trevor Styles. I'm back. He's back, baby. He's back. No preschool conferences today. No uh, family gatherings. It was, it, was, it, was, it was a preschool shadow parent day. Preschool shadow. What does that even mean? Are kids going to like a co-op preschool or it's like a, I don't know, something. So like there's always a shadow parent or, or parent who's, you know, there during the day. So those of us who are going to be like volunteer parents who work in and out of there, like once a month have to go and do a shadow day and watch what the other parents who are currently doing it do. I got to like bake muffins and clean toilets. That's pretty much what it came up to. That sounds incredible. Uh, that sounds like a, <laughs> an awful, awful time. Uh, today we're going to be doing our European season awards uh, we're going to do it NBA style because the NBA playoffs are going on right now and we're trying to uh, attract traffic, take it away from the Golden State Warriors. First off, guys, thank you for rating, reviewing, and subscribing the show. You're welcome. Honestly, huge to everybody who's been doing it. We're getting close to 100 reviews in the United States. Uh, I don't know where Trevor's at. I think he might be at four, maybe five. Let's round up to three. Okay. So we'll round it up to three. Again, guys, join the Patreon, GK Union, patreon.com slash GK Union. All that money goes directly back into all the content that we're doing for you guys on the shows. Shout out to all our Patreon members right now, and let's keep it up. Uh, so guys, also, by the way, I've had a lot of people reaching out, talking about us coming out to our shows. We're trying to set up as many shows as we can. We have a limited amount of time, okay? Which means that it kind of needs to be kind of a, a something to benefit your entire community, it can't be a one-off type of one-day type situation. It's tough for us to fly out to, let's say, Nashville for one day. You know, um, We would love to do that, but if there's a way we could maybe make it where we could do a couple days, three days, then we definitely would be down. Right now, we're trying to put something together in Hawaii. You're going to hear about that shortly. As you all know, we're going to Camp Shutout July 21st to the 26th, which we're really stoked about. As you know, we're going to be in Orlando for MLS All-Star. If you're interested in us coming out, contact at insidethe18media.com and let us know uh, what you got in plans. So let's get to some of these reviews, guys. Uh, and this one is from Conservative Behind the Lines. That is the name of the, uh, the person. Uh, it's called Absolute Quality. It says, love this podcast. Great information presented in a fun manner. Great guests and insights from around the globe. I recommend this podcast to all my goalkeepers. Keep up the good work, guys, and spreading knowledge and ideas across the goalkeeper and soccer community with a bunch of thumbs-up emojis. There's like five of them, which I think is pretty good. Nice. Yeah, so that's a serious, solid one. And then we got one from the Columbus Goalkeeper Academy, which I'm guessing is in Columbus, I'm assuming. And it <laughs> says, GK Union, appreciate all the time and effort spent diving in on important goalkeeper topics, five stars. Straight, simple, to the point. I like those kind of reviews. What about you, Trev? Um, <laughs> reviews are good. People make reviews happen. This way I don't have to pay my assistant to keep making reviews for us. <laughs> uh, speaking of reviews, you know what reviews leads to? It leads to conversations, which lead to listener questions. And we have a listener question today from Yevan van der Sar, uh, who I believe is related to Edwin van der Sar. I was going to say, he's taking some liberties with that name. I like it. Yeah, I like it. It's pretty solid. Uh, and he goes, just wanted to know if you have any particular workouts that I could do at home to work on footwork distribution that incorporate handling. Also, is there a possibility you know of any goalkeeper coaches in the Marietta, Georgia area slash Atlanta area? And last of all, this is my favorite of, the, of all the questions. What do you truly have to do 
if I want to take this serious and to the next level as a keeper. So that's uh, a lot of information right there, Yavin, that you, uh, you asked us right there. And we'll, we'll try to do our best to answer it as, as quickly as possible. So let's just start with the uh, particular workouts uh, for footwork distribution that incorporate handling. I'm going to go to Omar for that because uh, I believe that Omar might have some solutions for you. Uh, I mean, if it just comes down to footwork, footwork, I would definitely just do, I mean, just to get like the muscle memory in the legs and to get your legs used to like kind of that fatigue um, so that uh, when you do get to a set position, you're not leaning or falling. I would just do basic work with a ladder uh, from there, do cross-stepping into different angles. You don't really need that much space, but if you can try and simulate or have an idea of where the goal is behind you so you know exactly how far you need to go. Uh, in terms of your cross-stepping and movements, things like that. Because I think a lot of us, I mean, even when I've, you know, I broke my wrist, uh, I wasn't allowed to do anything with my hands. So I went out there, I started realizing that, oh, if I actually start doing these cross-step movements or like, you know, forward and back lateral movements side to side and get my legs used to stopping and starting and being able to have, you know, stability uh, in my core, stability in my legs without the ball, then when I actually get into the game, obviously it's a different variable, but being able to translate that, it definitely, uh, it definitely helps. Um, and then handling, if you have somebody with you, you know, you can work on, you know, sitting on your butt and then just getting some shots to your hands, um, you know, side to side, or you can hit the ball off a wall or a rebounder. If you have to be, you know, uh, working on your own, I would definitely encourage you investing in a rebounder. The last but not least, uh, distribution. I mean, if you have 10 balls, 15 balls with you, put a goal or a stationary goal uh, to a, as a winger or left back, right back, and just catch the ball, simulate you catching the ball, and then bring it down, then, you know, throw it out, uh, check underneath the angle. You probably won't get a pass back because there's no one there, but at least you have an idea of how to show for the ball and get your shape after you've thrown the ball. So those are my little tips, I would say. And then uh, if you're working on your own, buy my solo training program. It's online right now. Uh, yeah, so. Did you see how I set that up for you, Omar? Did you see how I did that? I was like, Omar might have some solutions for you. It didn't come to me until my last sentence. I was like, you know what? I have something for this. It was a smart plug. You waited. You didn't, you didn't seem too antsy to jump on and be like, ah, come by my. You're like, no, this, this. And you're like, also, I have this one-on-one program where you work by yourself. It's on sale right now. I thought you did very nicely. On I appreciate that. Thank you very much. It was a very good. smooth transition. It was a very smooth transition. Okay. Now, Trev, do you know anybody in the Marietta, Georgia area, Atlanta area that might hot, be able to help us? In the hot ATL? I don't yeah. actually. I should. Okay. I think, uh, I think our boy Mitch Hildebrandt might know some people out there, actually, like the Atlanta United GK uh, Academy coach, and he might got some suggestions for you. So uh, sit tight, Yavin, and uh, we'll, we'll get you some, uh, some names there. So now we're going to take it to the easiest part of the question, and we're going to give that to Trevor. So what does it take to, to take this serious and take it to the next level as a keeper? Which is also very vague because I don't know what the next level is. Are you playing flight one? Are you playing AYSO? Are you playing MLS? Like <laughs> we'll what level are you playing that. at right we'll just now? Assume it's like the next high level for him. So he's at playing at Ajax. Obviously, he's involved with Edmund. <laughs> I would say human growth hormones. Um, it worked out very well for Messi. I, I think that's a key. Just find a club who's willing to pay for it, and you're uh, and you're golden. Like oh, like I mean, come on, let's be honest. Like anything else, you you need to take your craft serious. You need, and I think this is actually a big thing for a lot of kids who ask this question. It's, you know, where is the ladder system? And not in like, we're working the footwork ladder, the ladder system as in, you know, let's say MLS is your, your goal of, okay, how do you get from where you are to MLS? I think a lot of people need to write that down of, I'm currently playing here. The next level is here. Then from there, I maybe jump to college or maybe it's junior college. And then I jump to college and then I hopefully have good times. And then hopefully I get into a draft situation. If I don't, then I go looking you know, to get into some USL combines. And, but I think a lot of people don't know, and that's what people ask us, how do we get there? And I think they really need to write it down to make it a proof of concept for themselves of how they're going to make it happen, be accountable, be responsible. 
I'm here. I need to play here. I need to play here. Maybe in between it's trying to get to a PDL team while you're in your last year of high school or in between college years. I think, I think so many people just kind of go, well, I'll go play and see what happens. I think the players who really make it there are the ones who have a game plan of, of where they are now. And then they write their future goal of where they want to be and they fill in how they're going to, how they're going to get there. I think that's the most important part of it right there is to have specific goals and don't just leave it nebulous and vague because if you just go like, well, I'll play at Real Madrid, like, okay, well, there's, there's a lot of steps to get to that point. So show us from level to level what it takes for you to get to that next level type of thing and make the goals realistic. Make them, I, I don't want to say, you know, dream, dream big, dream big, obviously, but you need to have these little goals to make these little milestones that are going to take you to that next step. And then you can focus on the step after that and the step after that and the step after that. And all these goalkeepers that we talk about on this podcast, that's what they did. They didn't just go one morning and be like, you know, I'm eight years old. I'm going to be the starting keeper uh, for the world cup champions, you know, like you go Lloris, you know, like that it takes time for that to happen. Yeah. yeah it's, it's like, a, it's such a, how would you put it subjective comment right of you know what is your end goal and like you said there's kids like i want to play at man u one day and you don't want to be like look i'm going to crush your dream you have no chance of making that happen most likely because you're born in somewhere in the u.s where you're not even playing odp like it's just it's such a tough thing to say that you don't want to crush some kid but at the same time i'm with you that having realistic goals setting realistic goals ones that you're able to achieve and then set one a little higher and then achieve that's the real way to do it Right, because as Mike said, you, you're following your milestones. And let's be honest, when we when we achieve something, a milestone or a goal we set, we all feel very good about it, and it kind of pumps us up to set the next one up. So you kind of take it smaller step by step. And Mike knows about small steps because he's five six. Exactly. But, <laughs> but it's kind of that like really set those attainable milestones, and have that attainable milestone reach to the top. It doesn't mean you can't put Real Madrid to the top. It just means you have to make sure every milestone is just one more bigger, 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 bigger till you finally get there. But I think, I think honestly, you know, not being a, a negative person because I'm not, making it attainable, making it realistic is actually going to make it happen. I think also one, uh, one thing that I would recommend for any young kid who is uh, trying to play at the next level is, you know, go to games, go to your local uh, either MLS or USL team and go watch the goalkeepers. And if you can't even watch them, a lot of people reach out to me and say, hey, coach, can I come watch your session? I really just want to see Armando work. I want to see uh, obviously his level and see how, how my game translates to that. And I think that's like the, one of the biggest things that um, I did as a kid. I mean, I would watch, you know, people like Peter Schmeichel online. And then I used to watch Kevin Hartman every week with the Galaxy. And I would see that and I'd just be like, oh, wow, that's what I want to achieve. That's, you know, that's the step I want to I want to get to because, you know, he's so fast. He's so quick. I love the way he comes out for balls. I love the way, you know, he's a, he's a great shot stopper. So you start picking little things off of uh, different professionals and uh, the ones you can attain are probably the most realistic for you as well. And even when I went to the Galaxy, we had uh, U18 guys. I was 16 and we had, you know, older guys who were showing us things that I've never seen before how to come out for a 1v1, how to do a side volley, how to do a drop kick. So you got to pick off of your environment at the same time to go to different environments that aren't your own and try and uh, expand your knowledge on the game as well. Awesome. So guys, again, if you want to, us to, uh, to make you the best goalkeepers that you can ever be, buy Omar's solo training program. That's the way you make it happen. Just go to ProGK Academy. Oh, no, I'm not going to do that shameless plug. Honestly, Yevon, honestly, th thanks for sending the question in. Guys, if anybody's got listener questions, contact at insidethe18media.com is the best place. I know a lot of you guys DM us too, but it, we have a lot going on. So this is honestly the best way to do it. If we read your question online, you will be receiving a new Inside the 18 scarf 
courtesy of Roughneck Scarves. That's right, guys. The scarves are ready to go. They're being designed right now as we speak. They should be out in the next few weeks. Uh, as, as you all already know, um, we had some awesome, awesome people send different design ideas. And Jane Brownson of Manhattan Beach, California, we incorporated her design into our, our scarf and uh, her little signatures on the scarf. So that's pretty cool. Shout out to her. So Yavin, we're going to send you one of those scarves. Uh, guys, www.roughneckscarves.com, promo code inside the 18 or I-18, I believe it is. Uh, they are the official scarf provider of the U.S. women's national team that you will be able to support at the France World Cup in 2019. And guess what else, guys? We've got people who are going to be at the Women's World Cup France 2019 on the podcast in the next few weeks. And I don't mean fans. I mean people who are actually participating <laughs> in the actual tournament. So, uh, so gotta, shout out to all. You got to feel bad for the fans too. Do you hear about what happened with the tickets? No, no, no. What happened? Yeah, oh, they're yes. Not, the they're fans, they're, the they're not together. Were, Dude, oh, what a joke, worst. man. That's, that's, you really, yeah, they really screwed that up. Yeah, that's a, that's a terrible, terrible. FIFA and women's soccer seem to have some, an interesting relationship to say the least. Let's just say that. Are any games on turf this year or no? They're all no, on no, grass. No, no, no. Okay, Everything's good. on grass. Thank God. I think they had the issue in Canada, right? And that yeah. was, uh, yeah, that was something. I think, Trev, you brought it up the last podcast. So, I mean, yeah, tough. Yeah. But hopefully the goalkeepers we have on, hopefully they have successful tournaments and uh, we can have them back on. And I don't know, it's exciting times. Yeah, and if you want to know which goalkeepers are going to be on the podcast, you got to tune in in the next few weeks to find out because we're not going <laughs> to tell you right now. That's right. They're going to be surprises. But I can tell you, we do have a legend coming on in the next couple of weeks. And we usually say legend if it's somebody that's literally a legend on this podcast. I don't think you guys have ever had us go like, hey, we have a legend on. And then the next week, it's like, you know, the U18 goalkeeper for like, you know, Valley United, you know. <laughs> why, why are you going to make fun of the U18 goalkeeper from Valley United? What if they're a legend in their own mind, Mike? Does that not make them a legend? <laughs> you know what? It's, <laughs> that person's probably listening. Yeah, no, they probably are listening. And what I mean, you know, you're a legend at Valley United. Okay. Oh, my gosh. Now I'm going to have to edit this out. This is terrible. All right, guys, okay. let's get into today's topic. Today's topic is the European Season Awards. That's right, guys. UEFA European seasons are over. Uh, we've decided to do our own little awards thing where we're going to be giving out some uh, awesome awards, NBA style, like most improved. Instead of best defensive, we're going best offensive goalkeeper, MVP, rookie of the year, all this stuff. A couple things uh, in the criteria. First off, goalkeeper has to be playing in the first division of their country. They can't be playing in a lower division. Sorry, championship fans. Uh, none of those people are eligible. Dude, I'm heartbroken. Why would you do that? Because I'm a jerk like that, Trev. Uh, because there's so many, so many leagues and so many teams. I had to try to keep it, uh, tried to keep it simple. Um, all right. How about that, what, Trev? We can do that. We can do uh, most likely to move up a division. How about that? Do you want to do that? We could do I'm not, most. I'm not talking to you now. Okay. <laughs> most likely to move up a division um so let's kind of get into this guys let's go into our choices i want to start with first off let's go with the uh rookie of the year this is the goalkeeper that in your opinion uh spent their first year playing in this league and uh and was the best first year goalkeeper in this league my i, I would say was keppa by the way so i think just go with keppa let's see let's uh, i want to hear All your right. argument of keppa Okay, uh, because first off, I, I, I was thinking about him for honorable mention for uh, most improved, actually, because I thought he got better as the season went on. Obviously, a little bit of jitters coming in first off um, from uh, Bilbao over to, uh, to Chelsea. But um, 
But I mean, I mean, I think honestly, the way Chelsea was able to progress through the season, they were having the issues with Sari with the with the management, players wanting to leave, players not not liking the way the system was being played, not getting subbed out. Kepa not, not wanting to, to come that. out of the game, you know, uh, which was a, a crazy. I've never seen anything like that. But his play overall throughout the season kept improving over and over and over again. And honestly, to be thrown in a situation like that at what twenty three years old? Yeah, I I don't know. I think he was he was good. It's just uh, it's it's it would it would have been tough for me to give him that award just because of how much money they bought him for. And I mean, it's obviously you come into kind of chaos and and you know, sorry, kind of implementing his his methodologies to the team. And obviously, it didn't sit well with Hazard and it didn't sit well with a lot of the players on the team. So. I mean, it's it definitely is tough to come in, but when you have that kind of price tag, and if- how how is it not Allison Becker? No offense to Kepa, how is it <laughs> how is it not Allison Becker? Like, unless Mike was just being the devil's advocate, where he knew you and I are going to be rational, thinking, smart people, and choose the appropriate person, maybe he was just being the one to balance it off, so you don't look like we're all in cahoots saying Allison Becker. But it's one hundred percent Allison Becker. So let's just uh, let's just move on because I think we're all in agreement that Allison probably had the best year of a first year player in a in a top league. Uh, let's move on to best offensive uh, goalkeeper. Um, this is a very very tough one for me. Um, no, it's not. It's yeah. Ederson. How is this tough so at all? It is Ederson for me. How so is that? that t- how is that tough? Because if you look at his percent, his passing completion percentage. With Allison's, they're pretty much on par. I think he's just a little bit better. I'll give you the stats, Mike. I'll give you the stats. I okay. chose Allison, and I was going to go with Ederson, but I looked up the stats on uh, PremierLeague.com, and I wanted to see you know, how they stacked up. Based on the stats, Allison has 1,076 completed passes, and Ederson has 920. He averages 28.3 passes a game. Ederson has 24.2. And he has 183 completed long balls to Ederson's 125. So, you know, based on the stats, I mean, the eye test would tell you differently. Obviously, Ederson, I think, had two assists this year and could have been three or four if it wasn't for, you know, some of the, the misses in front of goal. But uh, I would go with, you know, just to be another devil's advocate here, obviously my eyes would be pissed at me. But uh, Ederson is, you know, the guy. But in terms of stats, I think Allison also had a very comparable year. I, I think for me, it's I saw, don't get me wrong, there was some misses and mishits by Ederson, or Ederson, however you want to pronounce it, or Eder Arson. Um, but, uh, what was I the saw... way that I did it a couple weeks ago? Oh, I don't even know what you said. Ederson? <laughs> I don't know. We were, everyone was embarrassed for you. My dog was embarrassed. And I, I, I think Becker was just tossed. But I, but I saw him just a couple bad giveaways where it should have been converted and it wasn't. And that definitely would have gone against the stats. Where I didn't see that as much in uh, Ederson, uh, Ederson, or whatever Mike calls him. So for me, I, you know, because I'm going to give Becker a few more awards that Let's give one out to the, uh, the other Brazilian. So, so how about for – let's just say, let's say there was like a first, second team, and then a third team best offensive. I'd put Trisha Stegen in that third, that third tier right there with, uh, yeah. with Allison and Ederson for sure. Um, not as flashy, not as exciting. Maybe the passes weren't uh, as, uh, as grandiose but effective and efficient, really. We, we don't see him as often, though, I don't think. That's the only reason why. I mean, for example, I have DirecTV here and you know, nothing, nothing against them, but I, I lost B in sport this year. So I, I have not really been able to watch Barcelona games. So other what than you're saying is you're not going to renew your DirecTV? Then. <laughs> Probably, yeah. I mean, I watched a lot of games on YouTube and watched the highlights on there, but of course that doesn't do the goalkeepers justice. But when you actually watch the uh, Champions League, you'll see Barcelona almost has – he's like a quarterback back there in terms of how he sets his goal kicks up. He has guys who sit on the, on the flanks right here, like a PK. And I think Umtiti, you know, sit, sit, by, sit right next to him. He can play it short. Or he has, you know, Jordi Alba pushing up and he can play the winger. 
And he literally like sets the entire team sets their defensive pressure up based on how he you know delivers the ball. And I don't think I've ever ever seen that. And you watch it against uh, Liverpool when they played against uh, Barcelona, how well he delivered those passes. And if the, you know you guys cheat wide, you guys press wide, he's going to hang you know hit it down the middle. So I mean, in terms of somebody commanding a lot of respect, I would I would go with Ter Stegen and Ederson, just how good they are with their feet. But, you know, obviously percentage-wise, and like, like Trevor said, unfortunately, he did make a few mistakes. But just statistics-wise and playing devil's advocate, I'll go with Allison for this one. All right. So let's, uh, let's move on to most improved. Um, this was a tough one for me. No, it's not. Michael Madgett, best over 35s code player in South L.A., baby. <laughs> uh, this was a tough one for me, but from what I saw, and again, <laughs> just I'm not watching. Now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just completely, completely skating past that, like not even moving into it because that'll be another five minutes of conversation. For most improved, I went with Wojciech Szczesny as my most improved. That's a good one, yeah. That's actually uh, a great one. Because honestly – so much, I mean, let's be honest, a lot of people thought he was very kind of wishy-washy, iffy, and they're like, oh my gosh, this is the guy that's re- re- replacing Buffon. This is, this is embarrassing. But some great, great saves, and honestly, his decision-making became a lot better throughout the year. Um, so I'm giving it to Wojciech Chesney. That's also another tough position to be in, uh, filling in for you know, Buffon, a, a legend like that, uh, at such a big club, and, uh, and had a very, very, very strong run in Champions League. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a good one. Uh, I'm going to go with Fabianski just because, yeah. yeah, I mean, I think I think if you kind of went around the diehard goalkeeping fans around the world and people who watch English football a lot, we're going to go with Fabianski almost every day of the week just because he's very underappreciated, undervalued by, by people just because, you know, he was on Arsenal for a little bit and then he went to Swansea. Swansea got relegated and then he moved to West Ham and West Ham had a good start to the year and kind of fell off and finished, I think, mid, mid-table. So, I would just say he had a great year just because he's just so consistent. He's not flashy. He's good with his feet. Uh, great shot stopper. You see him in the World Cup. You see how good he is there uh, for his country. And it's just it's one of those things that people like us have to show appreciation to him or the rest of the world won't know who he is or give him his due respect. So I think he had, uh, he had the most saves this year in the Premier League. He, he tied within like seven or eight goalkeepers for the most minutes played in the year. And, uh, I mean, it's, it's tough to see him move to a top club just because of opportunities and I'm sure he wouldn't want to just play cup you know cup games but if he had an opportunity to move up, move up to a top six team I think uh you know they'd definitely be lucky to have him and you could look statistically he might be one of the top five goalkeepers in the EPL this year right I would say so yeah he's up there I mean his shutouts unfortunately weren't there I think uh what's it called Ederson and Allison had 21 and 20 well, yeah that's because he's playing then, at West Ham as opposed exactly to with Man City you know yeah like- no exactly and that's that's the that's the tough part I posted a few days ago about the goalkeepers who have won the Golden Glove and have, I mean, Golden Glove in the Premier League is the most clean sheets in that season. Not all Golden Gloves are created equally, unfortunately. Like you had the, you know, power, powerful Chelsea teams, you had the powerful uh, and City teams, and, the, and those teams didn't give up many shots on target. So the save totals weren't up there. Then you have like De Gea last year with Mourinho. He had 115 saves, so he had to kind of carry most of the weight. No, I love Fabianski. It's unreal to see him do so well again this year. I'm with Omar in regards of, it's not like he ever went anywhere. It's just, I mean, he played 120, 130 games at Swansea when they were, you know, doing their thing there. So it's great to see him come back. It's great to see him get a starting spot again. Uh, for my mind, I mean, one of the reasons West Ham, you know, finished where they did was because of him. The real question is, in the transfer window, his name has been tossed around. Um, you know, one being he is 34. He's played a lot of first-team games. So he's, he's a great option as number one, but he's also, you know, depending where he wants and what, what look he's looking for is, He's a great option as a, a number two at a bigger club, FA Cup playing, you know, Carabao Cup playing, 
you know, even uh, Europa Champions League. So the question is, you know, will he stay at West Ham or not? Um, the article that I read says he will. Just because, saying, yeah, he's, I mean, he's a, he's well, a man. Well, if it's in an article, it's got to be true. He's, he's, he's happy being in London. He's happy. <laughs> yeah, he's a, he's a loyal guy, too. Like, even when he said, uh, like, if you watch, if you see a lot of the pictures of uh, Swansea being relegated, you know, he's crying, walking to the fans, apologizing. Um, and then I think he, his, his daughter, one of his kids was born in, in London, and a lot of the West Ham people supported him, and a lot of the, the Swansea fans are still, you know, with him. So he's a very loyal guy. And I think, again, in terms of opportunity, I, I mean, he had his opportunity a while back with Arsenal. And then, again, you know, Chesney took that role. But I think for him, he's, he's happy where he is in a good city. Uh, and, you know, being a starter for a team that's probably going to be in the Premier League year in and year out continually if, if they hit, you know, keep getting those results because of him. Yeah. So let's, let's move on into most inspirational. Um, and no, this is not like a, like who got injured or something like that, but uh, it's more of a, a, somebody that inspires you as a goalkeeper personally. Um, and I, I thought personally for me, my most inspirational this year was Iker Casillas uh, because to see him after the way he got kind of unceremoniously thrown out of Real Madrid, which is apparently a thing they do. He had a really, really great run in, in champions league. And then obviously he had the heart issues afterwards and, uh, you know, it just showing the support from all over the world from the goalkeeper union for him was just fantastic to see. But uh, just still, you know, still a guy who's able to play at a very, very high level and, uh, and, and showed that he was still at that very highest of levels in, in Champions League this year. Just top class, top class all the way around. Trav, what about you? It's hard not to give it to him. I'm, I mean, put, even put away the, the heart attack stuff and all that stuff. It, he did have a brilliant Champions League. He did lead Porto very well domestically. Um, you know, everyone's got a soft spot. He's one of the best of all time. He was, you know, for being the prince of Real Madrid for a while, the prince of Spain when it comes to goalkeeper of the king, to be kind of tossed the way he did and handed his side, it, when, when really I, I think he was still at the level, to be honest. Um, it's a bit of a kick, a kick you nowhere. So, I mean, for me to see him do so well in Champions League, really was a big staple and then maybe a big showing for himself that he's still there. You know, unfortunate how things go. And, you know, the real question is, is this another podcast of was his heart attack stuff genetic? Was it hereditary? Or is this something where he has been training at the highest level continuously season after season, national team after national team, international tournament after international tournament, doing anaerobic training along with aerobic training that's put strain on his heart where he had to get a stint. You know, that, that's another podcast topic of, you know, is this something that was always going to happen or is this something that happened because he's put his body through as much stress as anyone could have in oh, man. their 35 years, 36 Trev, years? That's a great point. I think we should do an episode in the future on overtraining and maybe have like a performance specialist on to talk about that and, and the dangers of overtraining and, and when, to, when to back off. Because a lot of kids out there, they just think that like, the more I train, the better I get. The more I train, the better I get. But there's there's a balance between rest, recovery, oh, and, and performance. Go 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 to a pro team preseason, right? And they're all wearing their heart monitor vest, and they're playing keep away, and they'll have five guys out of their target heart monitor target guys. And when their heartbeats all hit, let's call it 160 for a random number. I think it's, it's around there at a minute level. After the minute, they stop and take a 45 second cooldown break, right? And they keep walking, and then because they're trying to get to that peak performance, right? It's not just go go go. It's not always the more work you put in just ridiculously, it's going to get out. It is having that, you know, it's such a scientific thing now of that. So, I mean, you'll see in preseason, they'll work it that way. And once their heart rate hits that certain level, right, the physio trainer's there, the athletic, whatever person's there, the so-and-so's there. Like, like a good stop, walk for 45 seconds and training will stop. 
and then after 45 seconds they're back at it to the heart rate's hit because they're trying to get that it's so scientifically crazy these days, but yeah, that's overtraining. Like I said, this is a guy who never really took a break. He's been in the national team since youth. He's been at Real Madrid since he's 14. He's played in how many World Cups, how many Euros, how many Club Cup championships, how yeah. many Real Madrid tours. How, I mean, legitimately, just name it. He's been there doing it. How many Champions League, you know? Uh, I mean, for a while there, he was doing Champions League, League, and he was doing Copa del Rey. I mean, just uh, so much. Is, is that something that led to this, maybe? And, of course, Mike, my opinion's great because I'm a smart person at times. <laughs> Only because I hang out with you. Only because I hang out with you, man. <laughs> I think right, it also so- it, it also I mean, it begs the question, too, like the fact that we didn't really even know who his backup was for all those years at Real Madrid. If I have to really, really think in the archives of my head, then I'll remember. So, I mean, you, like you said, Trev, he's played every single game. He was responsible for being the guy for so long that after a while it just becomes, it becomes taxing. I don't know if you guys saw this. His wife is also battling She's cancer. Got ovarian well. cancer, yeah. Yeah, so he's, you know, prayers up to Casillas and his family, and hopefully they all, you know, uh, I mean, he's, he's got more games for Real Madrid than a player. Yeah, that's I think so. Right? I think like, for I mean, Spain, too. Yeah, like that's, that's insanity. Yeah. Uh, okay, one thing I'm going to say for my guy, I'm going to go with uh, Jarelio Gomez. Oh, you're not going? <laughs> yeah. Oh, God, hey, you're like, hey, oh, why, why not? You know what? If you're not going to go for Casillas, let's go for the <laughs> 37-year-old Brazilian. I love it. He had a great run in the FA Cup with Watford, uh, and I got to give it to him just because, I mean, I actually – I read a lot of articles about this guy when he was my guy way back in the day. That's the guy who I remember him having the mouthpiece, oh, him being like man. the weirdest-looking guy out there. 30, he's, 38 now. He's 38. Yeah, legend, oh. in, legend in Brazil, legend, in, you know, with, with, uh, with Watford. And, First guy uh, saw throw the ball past half in a Prem game. Yes. That was when he was at, with PSB. That's back, back in the day when uh, – what's his name? He's retiring now. Oh, oh Demarcus Beasley. Demarcus Beasley. Yeah, was it, and he, he was at PSV, and they had yeah. that Champions League run to the semifinals. Yep, yeah, that's yeah. when I, I started watching him a that little bit more. 30,000 years ago. Once again, I'm a, I'm a Tottenham guy, right? So he was there for a while. Then he had that weird thing where he went to Hoffenheim. <laughs> that was like the most random – something went so weird. And there was like a, a weird – I don't know how it went. It was the final <laughs> day of the transfer window – like, he wasn't going to go, and they weren't sure if he was going. The next thing you know, he's, like, showing photos of himself in Germany and, like, he hadn't, like, hadn't fully signed on. I don't know. And then something happened to him. He got injured. And then, I, yeah. But, hey, yeah, awesome, would, awesome, awesome stuff. I'm going to go with him just because, I mean, again, it's, it's kind of one of those things where you've been the starter. And he's, I mean, not for the biggest clubs, but he's been the starter for some big-time clubs uh, in the past. Was, wasn't and, it him when, when they got promoted where he made the penalty save and then the rebound save? No, that was Amunia. That was Amunia. And then Amunia yeah. the next year had the heart defect and couldn't play. That's right. Yeah, so that's that's the so my point essentially with that is like him being the starter for so long and then eventually, you know, he kind of has to come into a different phase in his life. Unfortunately, like he, you know, can't be like a Casillas where he continuously gets those minutes, but um he has to be, you know, the the second goalkeeper. And from what I've read about him and Ben Foster and about their goalkeeper community and like how uh the Watford goalkeeper union has has kind of stayed together throughout this whole thing. He looks like he sounds like a great, great guy, and he sounds like a great teammate. Just kind of how uh, Mignolet was this year with Allison in, in Liverpool, um, and you see, you hear those kind of stories. And for me, it was just kind of like you know, I just loved hearing the fact that his his performances helped Watford get to the final. Unfortunately, they got the rash. I think it was six nil or six one. And then you hear Ben Foster. They said you know after the semifinal, Ben you know obviously they want to put the best team out there on the field for the final. He said, "No, you're playing him." Would you consider playing? And he's like, "Nope, nope, nope not at all. He's done so much for the club, so much for me." 
it's his game to lose, his game to win. I'm going to put him out there. You know what I mean? So just like hearing that, and to me, it was just one of those like stories that I was a feel good story. And, and it shows a lot of young kids out there that no matter your situation, no matter what your situation was prior to the team you're at now, have a good attitude. And, and no matter what happens from there, always cheer on the starting goalkeeper. And if you're the starting goalkeeper, do the same for the backup as well. Before we go to MVP, should we do a, our, you know, kind of like a six man award, like our best number two? Should we do a best number two? Yeah, let's, let's do it. Who let's played, do a best number two. Who played or who was a good support system? That's a good one. Or just to well, each. It's their up own. to you to decide what makes the best the best number two. Because let's go MVP first. Let's go MVP first, say, so we can so we can. Think. So okay, so before we go on to the six man award or, or best number two, let's sure. go to our MVP. Uh, drum roll. Do we need a drum roll for this, or are we just going to go straight into it? Uh, I'm going to go. My MVP, best goalkeeper in UEFA this season was Terstegen. And uh, I'm going, it was a tough, tough call for me. But personally, um, I felt that he did everything Barcelona asked of him and more. His positional awareness was phenomenal. His recovery movement is fantastic for a guy that get, whenever he gets caught out of position, he's able to recover and be able to put himself and get set. That's the biggest thing that I tell a lot of younger kids. It's like, if you get caught, don't panic, relax drop and get back into position and get a good starting shape because that's how you make those recovery saves. It, he was phenomenal with that distribution, unreal, um, really, really calm hand containment. I mean, a lot of keepers nowadays don't, don't handle the ball very well. Yeah. He knows how to parry a ball if he needs to or to handle it if he can and, and, and contain it uh, inside his body. So uh, shout out to Ter Stegen. He's got everything, man. I think he's – He's one of those. He's one of those goalkeepers that you would say nowadays. Like if you think of the modern goalkeeper, he has literally everything. Clean hands, knows what he's doing positionally, has spatial awareness, has an incredible uh, uh, sense of of time with his feet. Right foot, left foot, ambidextrous with both feet serving. Good on crosses. You know what I mean? He's one of those goalkeepers that, as a coach, you just get peace of mind when you even when you hear his name. And I again, I'm pretty upset that he's not the starting goalkeeper for uh, for Germany. Um, you know, he's born into a, a tough era uh, with Manuel Neuer, but I think soon enough he will be the number one. For now, Mike, I'm going to go with my guy as Jan Oblak. And I mean, Jan Oblak is, I think he's a beneficiary of the system that Diego Simeone is playing over there at Atletico Madrid. See, so that, that's, what, that's what, I love Oblak. Don't, don't, don't get me wrong. Yeah, I can't believe it. For someone who loves Oblak as much as you say you do, like <laughs> I do, you went with Ter Stegen. And I don't care if Ter Stegen is the right call. The fact that you have a man crush on Oblak, as I do, and you chose Ter Stegen, it just makes you, I believe, the term from 1975, a player hater. No, I'm an unbiased journalist is what I am, Trevor. (laughs) I, I I go by the eye test and I go by the numbers. And my concern about Jan Oblak is we haven't seen him anywhere other than Atletico Madrid in that system. Where he's been very defensively oriented. And, and, and a lot of it is, Basically, he's always put in a, in a good position where he either has to come up with a big, big save for once in a while, or he doesn't get tested. Yeah, I think. Uh, I mean, Barcelona is much more wide open, and because of that, you know, Ter Stegen has to be on his feet. He's got to come out. He's got to read opportunities. Everything. I can't believe a bad person you are. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think. I mean, I. I'm going to go with him just, just because he's I – mean, this is his fourth Zamora trophy in a row uh, where he has the most clean sheets in Spain. He has uh, – after 37 games this year, he has 20 clean sheets. And, again, I mean, they didn't really make that deep of a run in Europe this year, but in the past few years, if you look at uh, their – you know, they won the Europa League 
I think it was two years ago and, you know, Champions League finals multiple times with him in goal. Again, too, I wish Slovenia was a little bit better, you know, a little bit better, but they have, you know, Samir Handanovic in there. So, you know, the one-two punches in, in, uh, for the, some of the top countries in the world are definitely, you know, forces to be reckoned with. But again, in terms of the top two goalkeepers in the world this year, in terms of like tier, tier one, I'm going to go with, you know, Ter Stegen and Oblak. But you can't really say much to separate them. I think they're both, uh, if you're trying to put like Allison or, you know, Ederson or those kind of guys in that same tier, it's kind of hard just because of how good these guys are and how on a different level they are. So, um, yeah, I would go with Jan Oblak just because of the statistics and the eye test as well. Um, and he covers almost all bases in terms of, uh, you know, being consistent over four or five years now. Trev, do you have anybody else? Or? Of course I do, Mike. All right. Realistically, the answer is Ter Stegen. Okay? That's not my answer, but that's what the answer should be. Secondly, if it's not Ter Stegen, realistically, if Oblak had the same opportunity Ter Stegen had and other certain players, I think you have to give it to one of those two. With that being said, come on, you Spurs. Come on. It's got to be Hugo Lloris. Tottenham, here we go. I can't betray my team. <laughs> Deal with that, suckers. Tottenham! That's who it has to be. It's got to be Hugo Lloris as goalkeeper of the year because it was always going to be because I'm not a player hater. What a I'm year, though. My team. DUI, DUI in the first few weeks of the season. And, you know, that's coming off of the of, World Cup win. guy right there. He's All totally right. – He's. To, it was either going to be him or Chesney for, for Trevor. I, I just – like. Okay. It's like – it's like, you know what? The, these are the kind of guys I want to hang out with. Those, those are the guys. Those, that... those are my people. That's just the way it's going to be. The correct answer is Ter Stegen. The correct answer could be Jan Oblak. The right answer is Hugo Lloris. <laughs> All it's, right. not it's, it's not debatable. It's not subjective. That's just the answer. <laughs> if you say anything otherwise, you're wrong. Are we, are we <laughs> going right, to do our best bench goalkeeper, our best number two goalkeeper? Are we yeah, gonna move on? Sure. It's, it's, it can't oh. be Sillison after he got a uh, side volley chip driven the other day. Against uh, Ibar. Do you see that goal? What a goal. I was, I was looking at Jasper Silson as, as, as potentially my number two. Did that goal when they played no, Ibar? No, I did not. I did not. So, Silson came out and did like a above header clearance thing. And it was, it was decent. It really was. Like the Neuer and, one? The Neuer one against... Uh, yeah, it looks like a salmon. Yeah, it looks like a salmon jumping upstream. Um, <laughs> and the guy was like 40 yards out. And he hit a side volley that like flared drive over Silson, who almost got back to tip it over. He didn't. Google that. that. It's brilliant. Let me ask you guys a question. No. What what are the requirements to be in the number two? Do you have to play less than fifty percent of your matches? Okay, that, that that's a real breakdown. Are you considered a number two if you play Champions League and all the cup runs? If I mean, like, and it's much more the way novice and Tristegno, where novice is like you're playing La Liga. What's well, Tristegno and Bravo? Remember? Yeah, that's what I meant. That's what I meant. You're seeing Bravo. Thank you. With Claudio Bravo. I mean, that's, I don't know. Are we going to go with like, you know, are we thinking behind Lloris? Do we think that, you know, uh, Gazanega, Gazanega, yeah. is he, you know, showing he's a quality number two? Is, is, I mean, is it number two who could be a number one? Is it Gomes at Watford? All right. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it this way. And I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with best teammate. Also, in a pinch, can come into the game, do a great job for you. Uh, doesn't get much playing time at all, and yet is consistent every time that they do come in. I'm going Simone Mignolet for Liverpool as my top number two because yeah. he, he fills all the requirements of a second-string goalkeeper for you. Uh, good quality guy. You don't hear any drama whatsoever. Pushes Allison. Um, if Allison gets hurt or if it's matches where Allison needs to take a break, he comes in. Liverpool still does a fine job. And uh, in case of emergency, you, you know, you're not worried that you're going to lose points if you put Mignolet in. 
Yeah. I mean, there's, there's, again, it's, it's, there has been articles written about him too, about how great of a teammate he was. And even after they beat Barcelona, he credited uh, Allison for all the saves that he made and the performance that he had. And you don't really see that from backup goalkeepers. You see a lot of goalkeepers kind of bite their tongue and, you know, wait for their opportunity. But the fact that he was able to do that, and it's a very well-known thing from his teammates and, and just the attitude that he has uh, going into every single training and every game, the support he has for Allison, that it's very well documented. So, uh, I'll go with him as well, just because it's very underrated to have a goalkeeper like that and to have a support system as a number one. And um, I, again, I, I read something recently about Fabianski, and when he was with Arsenal, he played one game, you know, every I don't know, every like ten games. And he was saying how much pressure that was for him because he was he he needed to perform. The pressure of performing became too much, and uh, it just became you know it, psychologically too too much of a daunting task for him. And then when he went to West Ham, he was able to actually or with Swansea, he was able to have a little bit more uh, peace of mind, knowing that even if he had one bad game, he can come back and rebound the next game, the next game, the next game. Uh, you know what I mean? And then when you have you know when you have uh, Allison and goal, when you have the mentality and the idea that the guy behind you is going to be supporting you no matter what, he's not going to be there trying to you know take your job of course he's trying to take your job and all that stuff but he's not tangibly trying to make you feel uncomfortable and giving you bad reps and training he's giving you uh, the support on and off the field training and on game day and when you have that support system in your head the psychological aspect of it and your approach to the to every training and every practice or every game is completely different than having somebody in your locker room trying to be a cancer Trev do you have any, uh, anyone else um Eric can, can you go with Ariola? Well, see, that's the thing. I, I don't think Ariola counts as a as a, as a number two. I because any you could you could argue that he was the number one uh, for France because he played uh, the majority of their uh, Ligue 1 games. So you mean, you mean PSG? Uh, yeah, PSG. I mean, yeah, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> I, I think you got to give it to Mignolet. I I think you know what. With that being said, the way he has handled himself as a professional on and off the field, and the way he has been publicly supportive of Becker, and the the union they have rolling there, and as as Omar said. There's nothing worse than the backup keeper is an a-hole uh, and is a cancer on the team and thinks it should be playing, is completely schmeichling, whatever you want to call it. it. It's nice to have someone who's not happy to have that role but understands their role and is working through it. And I totally get the Fabianski of when you play every 10th game, that's all they're seeing from you, and you're not getting the reps you need of game time, game experience. So there is a whole lot of pressure. It is better being a number one pressure-wise because yeah week in week out you're probably going to get the games and it's going to be like you said recovery time um and maybe Mignolet is happy with that role maybe he's had enough of being a number one he's happy being a very good backup number two I mean everyone goes through different mental phases where you know I, I'm sure we've all been there it's like yeah I'm, I'm okay being number two for right now until I figure the rest of this out 100%. Um, so maybe maybe yeah let's give it to him why not he deserves some some good accolades so let's give it to Mignolet all right, we're going to hey, go are with we, are we Are we going to send these people awards? Can we send yeah, them? we're absolutely. We're going to send them inside the 18 Roughneck Scarves. That's what we're going <laughs> to do. Just all of a sudden, like, Ter Stegen just gets an inside the 18, like, podcast <laughs> Roughneck Scarf. And he's like, I don't know what this is. All hey, right, next, next year, next year, Mark Travers is going to be Rookie of the Year in the English Premier League for us. Hey, you, and uh, then know, we'll send I, him an inside the 18 scarf. No, he, we're not, because I messaged him and he never responded to me. So hit me back and I'd love to chat with you. <laughs> Uh, Bournemouth is kind of an obscure team, you know, to some people out there who aren't aren't familiar with all the teams. The in cherries, England. baby, the cherries. And but they've got awesome, awesome jerseys, and uh, they're one of the the tiny teams that we can get when you go to away days football. That's right, guys. Awaydaysfootball.com. They have jerseys from all sorts of teams from all over the world. Um, they've got my favorite thing, which is called the mystery kit. All over uh, the world. All over the world. Uh, 
I know that Omar's got a, a Club Bruges one. I think he's got a, a Sociedad one. Did you get a Sociedad one? Did you yeah, get a Sociedad one. I have an FC Basel one. Yeah, I have those two. FC Basel, yeah. You know what's my favorite is the, the Rhode Island or Providence one that has the skull and the Hummel. That one's just super cool. Dude, that one is sick. And I, I love the fact that they've got a lot of the domestic jerseys too. Um, they do a really, really good job with this. And honestly, when I, what I like about the mystery kit though is that like it kind of makes you like want to follow that team. Like all of a sudden you get like a Leeds jersey in the mail and you're like i don't know much about leads i know that they have a coach that's crazy uh i want to follow them <laughs> so you start following them and then also you're like the only kid at your school or at your at your club that's that's got that jersey and everyone's like tell me more about leads and you're like casilla plays there they're like Iker casillas plays at leads you're like no different different <laughs> very different different dude, different dude. um yeah. So, but anyway, guys, it, I know it sounds pretty amazing. And you're probably like, these are probably like, what, like a hundred bucks to get these jerseys. Uh, no, actually the mystery kit starts at $25. And if you think $25 sounds good, uh, how about the fact that there's an inside the 18 promo code that'll take 15% off of that. All you got to do is when you go on there, go IT18 and you get that 15% off. Hold on, I'm going to borrow it from my buddy. That's my said, yo, should we get Sparky? A well-known club or lesser-known club? That's what you can choose on here. Smaller. Yes, there's two. There's Biggie or Smalley. Does Sparky want a well-known or a less-known club? This, this mystery, just a jersey. There is currently a purchase of an Away Days jersey okay, going on the podcast live as we speak. Okay, <laughs> First for a sponsor on Inside the 18. Uh, this never happened before. Guys, make sure you use the promo code IT18. Uh, remember, that helps us also because, uh, you know, the more that Away Days knows that you guys like what they're doing, the more they know that inside the 18 people want to see their gear. Uh, maybe there's a chance of doing some goalkeeper jerseys, right, in the future, Omar? Yes, that'd be the goal. I'm really excited to do that. And if we can, you know, I, I really, I love the nostalgic feeling and the nostalgic jerseys. And back in the day, you'll see like a Jorge Campos and those kind of guys wearing these fluorescent colored jerseys. And you'd be like, what is that? And then nowadays, I, I just love being able to wear old jerseys and uh, uh, new ones as well. So I'm excited. So if you want a 90s Arsenal jersey, go to www.awaydaysfootball.com, promo code IT18. The link will be in the show notes. And I think Omar oh, might have some, uh, some what, stories what, what, with some cool promos. Uh, this what's the code inside the 18? IT18. IT18. It's like one of those commercials that I hear on TV or like on the radio, and it just repeats its number 20 times. Yeah, we saved some money. <laughs> That's amazing. $15 to Canada. Yeah, whatever. Oh, my gosh. All right, guys. Let's, uh, let's move on into the week in goalkeeping. Yeah, uh, PayPal. I'm paying PayPal. What? Okay, sorry. Go on. Sorry. Uh, all right. So let's get into the week in goalkeeping. Well, we're going to start where you usually do, in the Champions League. That's right, guys. The Champions League final is coming up on the men's side, but the women's final just took place, and Lyon just won the UEFA Women's Champions League final. Uh, yeah, Papa and Pup. Barcelona. Um. Leon is just a, a, such a force on the women's side. It's unreal. Uh, Sarah Bahati is their starting goalkeeper. You're going to be hearing that name a lot at the World Cup, guys. Sarah Bahati, in my opinion, might be one of the best women's goalkeepers in the world currently. She might be the best goalkeeper in the world currently. Leon I'm is so just excited for my buddy's mystery package. Oh, my gosh. I, I, I bought 2018-2019 mystery kits, smaller and bigger clubs. I went smaller. I'm pretty stoked. This is the longest ad read ever. It's gone into the next segment of the show. This is phenomenal. Um, but like some of you guys know, uh, Lyon's got, you know, French national team players like Henri and Renard. I mean, it's just a ridiculous, obviously Hegerberg, you know, who's the, you know, Ballon d'Or winner and she's not even playing for Norway. So it's an insane team. But at the same time, Bahati is 
just unreal. I mean, her reflexes are really solid. Her positioning is so good that she forces shots wide. I mean, she doesn't have to do a lot for Leon, uh, luckily, because they're so dominant. But, uh, but just her positioning is amazing. Uh, Sandra Panos uh, plays for Barcelona. She was the number one. Uh, she got caught in some sticky situations in this game, though, Omar, didn't she? Uh, I did not know that Leon was that good. Yeah. Mike, uh, they won. I mean, I, I'm reading some of the stats here. They won in her career alone. She's won nine French League titles. She's won five Champions Leagues. Uh, she's been the best women's goalkeeper three years, 2016, 17, 18. She's been on the world team 2017 and 2018. Uh, she has over 130 games for the French national team. And France is so darn good this year, Mike, that I think I'm not going to – They gonna, could win the World Cup. They, they could, really win, the could win the World Cup. Yeah. Yes, they could win the World Cup. And I'm, I'm definitely rooting, obviously, for the U.S. But, I mean, if, if uh, any team looks good, I think it, it has to be France. And she's one of the staples in the team. And even when you watch them play the U.S., I think it was the She Believes Cup preparing them for the World Cup. They beat the U.S. like 4-1 to one or something like that and it was uh it was pretty big beat down so we'll see I like I like her a lot I like Sarah a lot and I think she definitely has the opportunity to to put another trophy in her cabinet but uh yeah they were they were a mismatch for Barcelona in the final and uh unfortunately for Sandra or yeah for Sandra she had a she had a tough go at it but and, yeah, and guys, by the way guys Sandra's a very good goalkeeper I mean her reactions are really strong she's solid she's at she's athletic she handles the ball well um she's she reads the game but Honestly, Sarah Bahati reads the game at another level. I mean, one of the reasons why Sarah's so good is she doesn't have to make a lot of big-time saves because she cuts off scoring opportunities before they even happen. I think if Sandra could do this game over again, I think she would have. I think the whole Barcelona team would have. It uh, would have been nice to have a scratch. But some of the goals were tough to save, Mike. I mean, you had point-blank kind of shots that were probably in the six. And it's like a goalkeeper. You're kind of you know, stuck in no man's land because that ball is – like, it's baiting you to come out, but at the same time, too, you could easily stay in the goal and try to make a reaction save. So, unfortunate for her, but I'm really hoping that uh, this is, like, the launching point for her. And is she going to be the starter for, for Spain this year, Mike? I believe she's going to be the number one. By the way, guys, um, you know, we're going to have a, a Liga Femenina goalkeeper on in the next couple of weeks. And uh, I, I honestly did not know a lot about the level of that league, but it, I, I was watching a lot of highlights of that league, and it's a pretty decent league. It's a pretty decent league. It is, yeah. I mean, it's kind of tough as a goalkeeper when your team is down 4-0 in, in the first 30 minutes. <laughs> you, can't really, yeah. you, can't no. really come, you can't really come back from that, unfortunately. No, and I wasn't throwing shade at, at, at Sandra in any way whatsoever. Um, I will say there was one play, uh, I think it was like a th- – Mike, 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 uh, like, real quick, at 5-7, you don't throw a lot of shade anyways. Okay. The only play I, w- I would judge is I think there was a play, I think it was a, th- a three-goal situation, and she, there was a driven ball across, and I think she tried to – yeah, come out. Come out to it and, and missed and and missed it and unfortunately left the back post open. Yeah, um, those are the tough ones though, right? Because those are the ones that when they when you you know you, they cut it back across, it's you're kind of cheating a little bit, and then the ball, it it's the trajectory, the initial trajectory baits you into thinking you can come out for it. When really, if you kind of rewatch the film, you're probably like, uh, that's probably one of those ones that I sit back and you know try and make a reaction save on. I think from there. She came out, flapped at it. Unfortunately, she couldn't get there. And, uh, you know, they, it was already 3-0 at that point or 2-0 at that point. So it wasn't a deciding factor, but it definitely, uh, you know, uh, loses momentum for the team. Uh, both these keepers you're going you're gonna to see in our World Cup women's preview that we do with TKI in a couple of weeks because uh, they're, they're definitely ones to watch uh, at the World Cup. So let's, uh, let's move on to another World Cup. Let's work, work, move on into the U-20 Men's World Cup, which is taking place right now. In fact, actually, we were watching games this morning, uh, Mexico-Italy and uh, Poland and Colombia. And let's start with Poland. Let's start with uh, their goalkeeper, uh, Radoslav Majeki, uh, who's the starting goalkeeper. He's at Legia Warsaw. 
um, which at 19 years old is pretty darn good. I mean, he had seven clean sheets and allowed only 12 goals in 14 league appearances. Um, Polish league might not be the strongest in the world, but that's still very impressive at that age. And uh, honestly, I've, I've liked a lot of what I've seen of this guy. He seems to make good decisions on where to play the ball. Uh, seems to have a good frame. His feet seem decent. I don't think he's in the class of, of some of the guys that we're going to talk about in a, in a second, but but I think he's got a good future. You were just watching Mayeki in, in, in the tournament in the, in the last game. Um, what did you think of him? Uh, he's good. He has good size. Um, I don't think the goal I mean, they were comparing he, him to Jersey Dudek. They were saying, you know, he could be the, ne- the next Dudek. Um, no, no one, Mike. Don't ever disrespect Dudek okay. like that. Okay. That, yeah. Okay. I'm going to go with Alban Lafont. He is the starting goalkeeper for the French national team. He made his debut in Ligue 1 Toulouse, I think, at he was 15 years old. The youngest uh, appearance by uh, a goalkeeper ever, or by I think it was by a player ever in Ligue 1 history. So he's already made 100 appearances for Toulouse. So he has first team football uh, like crazy. And then from there, he signed with Fiorentina. And I think he, now he's the starting goalkeeper at Fiorentina in Italy. So for him to be that seasoned at 20 years old, I mean, he's younger than my brother. My brother was born in 97. This guy's born in 99. It's, it's pretty ridiculous. Six foot three. I think he is the heir apparent, hopefully, to Hugo Lloris in the next few years. Um, obviously we have Ariola and, uh, some of those guys who are going to probably, you know, throw their name in the hat as well. But I think, uh, yeah, he's one to watch. I'm really excited to see him. He has good size, good shot stopper, uh, good with his feet. And at the same time too, he has the experience that a lot of these guys in the tournament don't have. Now, first off, a little shout to Justin Von Stieg called up for the U23 men's national team for the U S brilliant. Okay. And moving on. So we're on the U20 world cup. I'm going with Michael Wood. Okay. New Zealand's number one. Interesting, came over from New Zealand, went to Sunderland for uh, Youth Academy and then down to the League One and then came over to Holland. So now he is the number two at Willem Two. So he got a bunch of games in the league this year and a bunch of cup games as well. He's going to be a big guy, big career, six foot five, super focused on his, on his craft. Uh, I think he's going to have a great tournament for New Zealand. You know, it's, it's, it's funny that you, you bring him up that six foot five frame. I mean, that, that is that's unreal. You know, when you got a six foot five frame at that age already, and, and you're already, he's a little filled out already, right? Yeah. And I mean, like I said, you're, he's getting first team games in top flight Holland. That's, uh, that's fairly decent. Yeah. Now I'm going to go into a guy that some of you guys might not be familiar with. And I think he's a little bit more of a prospect. I think he, he still needs a little bit of work. That's uh, Moises Ramirez uh, from Ecuador. He's considered one of the top uh, U20. Oh, I don't want to talk about him. You don't want to talk about him. No. <laughs> okay. Okay. No, keep going, Mike. That's it. You, you make the rules, Mike. Okay. He's a, he's a great goalkeeper. He was wearing Aviadas. Unfortunately, my Ecuadorian rep dropped the ball and like disappeared. And he moved over to a different branch. We couldn't service the gloves for him out of Ecuador. But the guy straight up a baller. He's a beast. Great, nice guy. Unreal goalkeeper. Uh, I can see him moving to Europe in the next year or so. Yeah. For somebody with a wingspan that he so, has, this guy's huge. Geez, and with his wingspan, yeah. he can push. He can explode. Uh, a lot of guys, when they're big, tall guys like that, and with those long arms, like they just can't push off like this guy. I mean, this guy is athletic. He's springy. He's hoppy. Like for the real deal, he's he's good keeper, great guy. Uh, you know, obviously, wish it worked out personally, business wise, but wish him all the best. And he's he's watch for him. He's gonna be uh, he's gonna be a big European club soon. I think this is gonna be a very big tournament for him. They're saying he could be the best goalkeeper to ever come out of Ecuador, which is, I mean. Obviously, Ecuador has been a pretty solid Conmebol country, so so there's a lot of guys out there uh, in that. So let's uh, let's move on to Omar. Omar, you got another guy? 
Yes, I'm going to go with uh, Portugal's number one, Diogo Mereles Costa. He's on uh, Porto B, and he has 40-plus games for them. And I think, obviously, now with Casillas, his future's you know, in question. I think he could potentially be, if they're trying to promote somebody from the academy, be his replacement and the number one for Porto in the future. Uh, just last year in the Euros for uh, Euro U19 championships, he got to the final. He took Portugal to the final. They ended up winning it. Unfortunately, he had a muscle injury that uh, he couldn't play in the final, but he had played four out of those five games. He balled out, uh, put his stamp on the team and put the stamp on uh, Portuguese in the future. So hopefully, I think if he has a good season this year and uh, excuse me, a good tournament this year, coming into the summer, I, I don't know if Porto want to promote him or bring in what I've been hearing is Navas might be the replacement for Casillas. I don't know. That's what I've been really? hearing. That's what, yeah, that's what I've been wow. hearing. That's what I've been hearing. So I'm hoping that it's not because I've obviously I really I like Navas, but I want to see a young guy like this, uh, only 20 years old, get his chance and uh, hopefully make his name not just with Porto, but uh, with a different team uh, on a bigger stage. Trev, you got another guy? I was actually going to talk about Moses. Okay. Uh, though, though kills me inside. He, dude, the guy, the guy is just a beast. Like, and he's just like I've watched him train. The guy's a workhorse. Like, it's yeah. Man. That's all. I'm, 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 I'm only hurt. Sure. Okay. Sweet. All right. All right. We'll move on. Uh, I think you guys all know this guy, uh, Andre Lunin. Um, I mean, everyone's been talking about this guy around the world. He's unreal. He's the real deal. He's at Real Madrid right now. Honestly, I. I, I hate to say this, but he reminds me of a young Manuel Neuer. I mean, he's really, really good. And if Ukraine advances and if they, they make a deep run, I think he's got a really good, strong shot of being the Golden Glove at the U20 World Cup. Um, like Neuer, he does get caught wandering sometimes, making some unorthodox decisions. But uh, athletic, um, long, um, good shot stopper, uh, parries the ball into the right spaces. Uh, good footwork. Um, I mean, I really don't see a lot of flaws in this guy's game. Yeah, I would. Uh, I mean, you have it in the notes here. If you, Ukraine goes through, which I hope they don't, because they play the U.S. tomorrow, uh, then they are. Yeah, I guess today would be a Friday. Uh, so they play today at 11:30. If you guys are listening to this, go watch it. Uh, but yeah, uh, I think he is. He's a good prospect. But uh, you just never know with these tournaments, man. I, I don't know if I don't know enough about Ukraine's team to know if uh, they can go far. Yeah, I mean, you never know about about this age group, but I mean, just talking about just in general in regards to what I've seen from him. And obviously, he's at Real Madrid, which means he's going to be consistently loaned out for a while until they feel that he's ready to be a number one type of situation. And obviously, Real Madrid is the type of club that just goes out and buys the top goalkeeper. So it's very tough for him to find. But he's going to be a number one at a top European team very, very soon, uh, sooner rather than later. From everything I've seen about him, he does not seem 19 years old at all. No, I think if you watch uh, some of the highlights that uh, from his from his games, it looked like he played in the 1950s, dude. Like some of the some of the camera work on here looks like he's yeah, like he played in the same era as Peter Schmeichel. Well, I mean, I mean, look, let's be honest. You know, some of the tape that you get from the uh, Ukrainian divisions uh, from his his younger days before he went came to Real Madrid, let's just say that it's not the. Uh, <laughs> A lot of it looks like voyeuristic tape. Um, I think it was actually shot on like somebody's like phone because there was no actual uh, television to some of these youth youth matches. But um, but you kind of get the idea right there. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm excited. He looks he looks pretty sharp. He looks pretty good. Uh, kind of reminds me a little bit of of an O block in a sense, just because just just the way he makes saves. 
it it would necessarily. I think Oblak has kind of fine tuned his game of late. I don't. I think I think Oblak's more orthodox than this guy. That's what I mean. That's what I mean. That's what I'm saying. I think I think Oblak has become more orthodox with his time at, at, in Atletico and being in the European system per se, it being like the number one and being top goalkeeper coaches for club and country. So I think. This guy has a chance. Lunin has a chance to slowly become more orthodox, but just from watching some of his highlights, you can already tell that he makes saves a little bit more unorthodox and would probably be a pain to some of the goalkeeper coaches in England. They'd probably want to try and change him. They'd probably want to, you know, try and make him a little bit more aligned with what, uh, what the uh, English do in terms of clean hands and pairing the ball properly. He's more of a kick save, sporadic, doesn't hold everything, kind of drops a few balls here and there. Uh, but he is fun to watch. Uh, definitely is, you know, fun to watch as a, as a fan. Well, what they say is that he's, he's so strong with his distribution with his feet is that he can immediately play directly behind the line and, and they won't skip a beat. Uh, so at 19 years old to have that kind of poise, that's pretty unreal. So Pretty unheard of, actually, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Trev, have you seen Lunin play? I haven't, actually. Okay. But after all this, I'm going to get some tape up and see what's going on. Yeah, down. definitely. You got to check out this guy for sure. He's, he's definitely worth uh, you checking out. Um, so those are some of the guys to uh, to watch uh, at the U20. Uh, unless, Omar, you got any more guys? or is, is that? No, my biggest question is, based off of uh, the research that I have here, is Brady Scott the number one for the U.S.? I think I think it's I think I want to see what happens tomorrow because I don't know because he's still coming off that injury and Ochoa has been in form. Uh, and I haven't heard anything from camp going one way or the other. I haven't also been honestly asking people. <laughs> who, who all went? Uh, it's Brady Scott. It's David Ochoa and CJ. CJ, CJ, yeah, CJ Dos Santos from Benfica. Yeah. But Dos Santos is sitting third, you'd say? Yeah. Uh, I don't know, actually. I don't know. I'm pretty Based sure Dos Santos of... is sitting third. I think because it's I think it's between Scott and Ochoa to be the to be the one. I think if yeah. Scott I think if Scott is healthy, I think he's the one. I think if Scott is not healthy, Ochoa is the one. We'll see. It's going to be an interesting one. I think uh, CJ definitely has the most experience in terms of being, you know, at Benfica and being at a higher level. But David Ochoa has been balling out lately. I don't know too much about Brady Scott, to be honest with you. So I don't know what his club career has been like or anything like that. But I know David's been killing it. And CJ has a good experience at a top level. He's, he's been at Cologne and he's been, he's been very moving up the ranks. The only problem has been injuries with him, you know, oh, okay. but, but, but when he is healthy, he's, he's, Definitely one of their top reserve uh, guys up there. Um, speaking of uh, reserve guys, let's talk about the 23s roster real quick. I know uh, Trevor already mentioned that Justin Von Steeg was called up to the 23s roster. There's going to be a 23s camp going on at the same time as Gold Cup camp is going on. Uh, it's, it's Justin Von Steeg. It's JC Marcinowski, uh, who's uh, on loan at Reno from San Jose Earthquakes. And then a guy who I didn't know a lot about because I don't follow a lot of NCAA. But this guy's really interesting, Andrew Thomas. He's actually a, a – he's got citizenship with the U.K., the United States, and Russia, and he's already represented the U.K. So he is a Watford Academy graduate. Um, he chose instead of going professional and trying to sign a, a, a professional contract to, to go to, to Stanford. Um, do you guys know any, much about him? I, don't know I do not. Zero zilch. Zero zero zilch. Okay, so he's kind of the, uh, the wild card here. But obviously – you know, they must think something of him to bring him into this camp uh, as a college guy. It's very rare that college guys get brought into 23's camps. Yeah. He, he, mean, he's, he's got a different background, though, right? You know what I mean? Like, he's not your, your typical player. college guy. Yeah. yeah. He didn't come through the youth club system in America and all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I would, I, would, I would have to say, too, I mean, it's 
it's just tough, man. I mean, of course you want to get those minutes and you want to get those guys in the USL uh, to be playing and, you know, get constant minutes, but you want them to be good minutes. It's just, you never know what you're going to get, especially at Reno too with Marcinowski. Like the team's not doing very well. And again, we talked about it on the podcast before is that of course you want them to, you know, be playing at constant minutes, but at what cost, you know what I mean? Some of these guys are getting bombarded with goals and the teams, you know, for, for example, the galaxy are connected to with the first team. And a lot of the young guys are like their left back or their right back or both guys who were on the, on the second team got moved up to the first team to be Araujo. And I forget the other guy's name, but uh, yeah, those guys are getting moved up. So you just never know with your back four, who it's going to be. And, and Araujo just got called up to the U20 world cup. I saw that. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's, it's tough. And of course, you know, I, I want them to be successful, but we'll see. I think that was kind of a, a sporadic answer and uh, nothing editing, editing can't fix, exactly. but, uh, <laughs> but, but yeah, I'm excited to see those guys. And I'm, I'm just, I don't know. I'm like, I have one, one bone to pick that I'm really upset about. And it's the fact that uh, my man, Jesse Gonzalez didn't get picked up for, for the youth or for the, uh, for the U S squad for the gold cup preliminary roster. Okay. Who do you, who do you kick out instead? I do. I got I would kick out Brad Guzan, man. I'm kind of like, I'm at that point he's where informed. he's been informed for Atlanta though. I get it. I get it. No, for sure. hundred percent. And I, I, the optics wise, I understand it because you want somebody, even if he won't be the starter, you want someone to kind of, you know, help Stefan and help he's the young the guys. He's the only veteran on that roster. For yeah, well, that makes sense then. <laughs> Tyler Miller is the number one for the best team in major league soccer. Who's allowed the least amount of goals in major league soccer. How do you leave him off the roster? You don't, I, you I don't. wouldn't I'll take Brad Guzan off. You kick Sean Johnson. Yeah, and Sean's on. I mean, those dude. I don't know no if you guys saw this weekend. Johnson, but, like, Jesse Gonzalez should be there. Look, we harped on Guzan a lot, but I agree. In this transitional process, when you, when you have so many, if you were taking three guys, I would say you don't have them. When you're taking, like, five or six, what they're taking right now, have, that, have Guzan there. It's good for him to be like, look, you've been so great in MLS. You've been here a long time, all that crud. But, you know, have that for him. But as realistic as you're saying, have him as the veteran senior guy to help the young guys because there's four or five or six in camp, get rid of Sean Johnson, bring in, bring in Jesse. Like that, that to me is, is what it should be. If it's three guys, right. Guzan's out for me now. Right. When it comes down to three guys now, now you're going Horvath, you're going Stephen. Uh, Zach Stefan, And then you're going like, like in my mind, the old school Ramondo, but he was domestic one international three, like Ty Miller or Jesse Gonzalez or, you know, a Hamid or a insert. Well, Hamid's, I, I think Hamid's blacklisted. I think he might have seen yeah, his, his he, national team. Yeah, af, I, I think he's uh, after being outspoken, which is not right or wrong, but I think after him being fairly outspoken, that yes, he will, uh, he'll have a very hard time being called up again. Um, but yeah, so at three, I say Guzan goes. At five, I'm fine having him as the senior guy in the locker room. But Sean Johnson had to be off the list, and Jesse Gonzalez should have been on it. Good point. All right. Well, we've been going for a while, guys. Do you want to finish off with a shout-out to Matt Pickens uh, and the USL? Um, they're absolutely killing it. Uh, Nashville, they're one of the – I think one of the top teams right now. In, Is in- he still playing? Yep. And he killed it last night against Birmingham. Uh, just point-blank saves, good positioning. Good uh, on him. Why not? Yeah. All right. So, shout-out to Matt Pickens. Uh, still killing the game in Nashville. It'll be interesting to see if he gets uh, if he gets retained for their MLS season next year, because they start next year in MLS. Good on him. Well done, Pickens. Yeah, yeah. Does he still have the creeper beard? Yeah, he does. Awesome. I don't know if it's a creeper beard. It's not that long. It's not like that old, long, crazy one that he had for a while. Yeah, he went um, he went creeper beard for a while. <laughs> uh, all right, guys. Does anybody else have anything else? Uh, yeah, I, mean, I gotta I guess- go. 
All right. Pleasure. Pleasure. I'll talk to you all soon. Oh, shout out to Robles. 90th minute extra time. Big save to keep the draw in Vancouver last night. Um, And uh, Zach McMath was playing in Vancouver. If anybody's wondering why Maxime Cropo was not there, um, because he's going to be going off to Canada for a bit. And so – Gold Cup. They're getting – Gold Cup. McMath's getting games because Cropo's going to miss four or five. So they're trying to get him uh, integrated more to the team. For Canada? No. He'll sit behind Milan Borjan's the number one. Who oh, plays at Red Star Belgrade? Gotcha. Um, Kripo was at number two. Still huge, though. Still yeah, big. Huge. Yeah, for sure. Huge. Yeah. Aviata gloves! Plug that <laughs> stuff. Hey, just so you know, it'll be too late, but this long weekend, you would have missed our 15% off using code extra15. You won't hear this too long. Or actually, when's this going live? Tomorrow. Tomorrow. Yeah! Friday. Extra 15. May long weekend. Fail. <laughs> All right. Stuff. Let my kid oh, go to private school. definitely an episode. Uh, we got we to gotta edit time code in the show oh notes. Oh, boy. I'm about, to, I'm about to edit <laughs> this. All right, guys. That's all the time we got on Inside the 18. Contact at Inside the 18 Media uh, if you want us to come to your city, if you want to be a listener. We question. should do this on Twitch. I don't really know what Twitch is, but then people can watch us do it. I think we should all Twitch in. or. I think we are going to build the set. And, and, Yo, and people can donate to us live so Mike, so Mike can pay his rent. Yeah. <laughs> all right, yeah. Donate to the Patreon. All right, later, guys. Bye. Bye.